Hi, everybody. Happy week before Vesach. This week is Parshas Tzav, and it's also Shabbos Hagadol. That's the name we give to the special Shabbos immediately before Pesach. So even though this week's Parsha is Tzav, the Haftorah is actually completely unrelated to the Parsha. It's a special selection that we have just for Shabbos Hagadol. This being the case, I'm not going to be doing the quick Parsha summary like I usually do. The reason being, the Parsha summary is for the purpose of understanding the Haftorah better. And since the two selections are unrelated this week, we don't necessarily need to spend so much time on the Parsha to understand the Haftorah. So in lieu of that, I'm actually going to briefly explain how we ended up with this selection as our Haftorah in the first place. So unlike in weeks past, um, where we've had a special Haftorah, this week there's no special Maftir or 8th Aliyah selection that accompanies the Haftorah. There's only a special Haftorah. This Haftorah for this week comes from Sefer Malachi, and it actually started out as an alternate Haftorah to be read for Parsha Tzav, which is this week's Parsha. Um, it was to be read for Parsha Tzav when Shabbos Hagadol falls out overlapping with it. This is actually usually the case more frequently than it's not. It happens this year, as it does in most non-leap years, um, but there are some years, like leap years, where Tzav and Shabbos Hagadol don't necessarily overlap with each other. So over time, the Minhag evolved such that this Haftorah is read for Shabbos Hagadol no matter which Parsha falls out that week. So looking at the beginning of the Haftorah, it would actually make more sense for it to be read explicitly connected to Parsha's Tzav, because the Parsha has a lot to say about the role of Kohanim in the Korbanos, and this week's Haftorah begins speaking about the Korbanos in the Messianic era. So we're going to have to do a little bit uh, deeper digging to see why the themes here in the Haftorah make sense specifically for Shabbos Hagadol, and not necessarily explicitly for Parsha's Tzav. So, as I said, this week's Haftorah comes from Sefer Malachi. This is the very last book, and for us, the very last parak in all of the books of Nevi'im. After Malachi's time, Nevuah, or prophecy, stops coming down to the Jewish people. We'll see in the summary that the message is, is very fitting to close out the era of prophecy. Hashem is essentially reminding us one more time that you guys know what you need to do. If you're not going to listen to me, I'm not going to send you any more Nevi'im. So we'll move into a little bit of historical context now before we get into the summary. Uh, this is an entirely different period of Jewish history than we've worked with in our Shirim up to this point. Malachi is prophesizing after the building of the second base of Mikdash, which happens in the Jewish year 3408. And he's prophesizing after a return from the Babylonian Persian exiles has begun. This isn't stated explicitly in the first Pasuk of Malachi like it is in many other Nevi'im. But the good thing is we have the Gemara in Megillah to help us out. On Daf Tesvav, it tells us that Malachi is prophesizing at the same time as Zechariah in Haggai. And we see in the first Pasuk of Haggai that it tells us exactly what time and what place and who was king when these three uh, Nevi'im are prophesizing. So from that, we can know the time and place of Malachi. So we know that Malachi is prophesizing during the second year of the reign of Daryavish, who was the king of Persia, immediately following Ahasuerus, who, as we well know, is one of the stars of the Purim story. Um, Daryavish took up the throne in the year Jewish year 3407, around 353 BCE. 
And he's the king who approved the completion of the second base of Mikdash. And the building of the second base of Mikdash takes place from the Jewish years 3408 to 3412. That's around 352 to 348 BCE in secular years. So I'm going to be sending out a timeline in the WhatsApp group with these three events highlighted so you can see them in relationship to um, the other prophets and the other kings at that time. So with all this in mind, um, I'd like to also mention that the Gemara actually introduces several opinions about Malachi's identity. This is on the same Daf, Tesvav, and Megillah. One opinion says that he was actually Mordechai, just going by a different name in the Sefer because he's, he's doing a different job. Another maintains that Malachi is just a pseudonym for Ezra HaSofer, and others say he's a separate Navi altogether. So what the consensus is there, I'll leave that up to another year, but I wanted to mention that there are different opinions about what his actual identity is. So perhaps unsurprisingly, at this era where the second base of Mikdash has been built, uh, the Jews, again, aren't exactly on our best behavior. So Haftorah begins with a few pesukim, um, going into a section where Malachi is discussing a quote-unquote messenger of Hashem who's going to eliminate the wicked people from the land in a sort of purification process that has to happen before Mashiach. The Radak says on Pasuk Aleph of Perak Gimel and Malachi, which is actually before the Haftorah begins, the Radak says on this Pasuk that um, this messenger that's mentioned is Eliyahu Anavi. So several things have to happen in this purification process that we're speaking about. Uh, the korbanos have to resume in a way that they're favorable to God as they were in previous years. The Pusik specifically says previous years because it's referring to how the korbanos were um, being carried out in the times of, of Shlomo HaMelech. Um, so that's very important. Hashem's saying, I don't I won't want you guys to improvise. I don't want you to make up your own procedure. I want you to do them kahalacha, how I told you to do them. So another thing that has to happen is that Hashem has to bring justice to those who have sinned against vulnerable populations, so the widow, the orphan, the gare. And Hashem points out in Pasuk Vav, He says, He says, I, Hashem, haven't changed, and you, the sons of Yaakov, haven't ceased to be. This is Hashem calling us to do tshuva. He's saying that because I am and always have been merciful, that's why you haven't perished. He's he's always going to be in a position to accept our tshuva, and that is something that we need to remember. So this pasuk that I just quoted actually marks a turning point in the Haftorah. Hashem's now telling us through Malachi that there's a few things that need to happen in this tshuva process before Mashiach can come. So the particular sin that Hashem's calling us out for is not taking truma and miser. So in the times of the base of Mikdash, and now really, in the land of Israel, there's certain laws about portions of produce that have to be taken off as tithes um, before they can they can be sold, they can be benefited from. So those tithes, depending on which types, would go to either poor people or they would go to the Kohanim and the Levium. And um, Hashem is calling us out that, that these, these portions were not being separated off from the produce. He says, in essence, it's a form of stealing. They're both stealing from Hashem because these trumos and maestros are considered like a korban, and the people who aren't separating them are also stealing from the recipients of 
those portions of produce because otherwise they couldn't eat. Um, Shem is now proposing an alternative in Pasuk Yud, Perak Gimel. He says, very, very famous Pasuk. Hashem says to the Jews, Bring all the ties to the storage house. And it will be a sustenance in my house. And you should test me. You should test me through this. Hashem says, test me and see if I won't open up for you the windows of the heavens. I will pour blessings on you without end. Um, I should note that in this Pasuk, Hashem explicitly says, he invites us, test me. We're almost never allowed to do that except for this pasuk, and I'm gonna, I'm, we'll, we'll get into this a bit later, but it, it's very, it's famous and it's noteworthy for a reason. We'll talk about that later. So the next example that Hashem brings is that in, he says that that through our words, um, we we've become harsh against him. Um, Hashem explains that the people don't see the point in serving him anymore, and that that the people who are doing evil and and sinning against Hashem are being praised and being glorified. Hashem promises those Jews who have been staying true to their service of him that they will be a quote-unquote segula, a treasure for him. And He says, I will have compassion on you like a man has mercy on his son who serves him. I think this highlights an important theme in, in Navi that a lot of times the, the prophecies can seem very punitive and very harsh but here we see an example of Hashem acknowledging that it's not the entire people that are sinning he, he he separately calls out those that are doing what they're supposed to do and promises them that for you guys it's going to be okay so Hashem tells us in the next few psukim that one day the difference between good and evil people will become extremely clear and so the reason to serve him will become glaringly obvious and everybody will have We'll have clarity in that department. In Pasuk Yod-Tes, we see the final turning point of the Haftorah to its conclusion, where Hashem promises punishment to those who sin and reward to those who serve Him. It sounds an awful lot like one of our Yod-Gimel Ikarei from the Rambam. Um, it's good to see it in text, though. And Hashem concludes with two final points. In Pasuk Chafbeis, He says, Moshe Abdi Asher Bechorev Al Kol Yisrael. He says, remember the Torah of Moshe, my servant, that I commanded him at Chorev for all of Israel. So you should remember the Torah. And number two, in Pasuk Chav Gimel, he says, He says, behold, I'm sending you Eliyahu the prophet before the coming of the great and awesome day of Hashem, which is a reference to the Messianic era. So that's how the Haft Torah concludes. So I'd like to point out two main points of connection to Shabbos HaGadol with this Haftorah. The first is that idea that we spoke about in Pasuk Yud, where Hashem says, test me with your tzedakah. Um, we see there's an inherent connection between Pesach and giving tzedakah. We saw that in Pasuk Yud, Hashem invites us to test him. Hashem says, give all the truma and maiser you want, even if you'll have none left over to eat for yourself. Test me. Watch and see if I don't still take care of you. No other mitzvah is like this, where Hashem encourages us to, to go to the extreme and, and test him and see if, if he'll still make sure that everything is okay. Practically, our rabbis have disagreements over whether this Pusuk is referring to agricultural truma and miser, 
Mycerkasafim, um, which is the 10% of our income that we donate to charity or tzedakah in general. But whatever it means in a practical sense from the Pasuk, we can understand something extremely important about the nature of God. It's so important to him that the poor and those who are receiving charity are taken care of, that he's willing to allow us to 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 put him to the test. He's willing to allow us to, to force him to prove himself to us, to make sure that, that these people are taken care of. Um, for us, in a practical sense, this can reinforce the importance of this idea we have around this time of year, Kimcha de Pescha, is the custom dating all the way back, back to before the Gemara was completed. It's a custom to give extra tzedakah to the poor at this time of year, for whom Pesach is an exceptionally, if not the most stressful time of the year. The Haftor is reminding us that we have to make sure that our poor are taken care of this time of year. It's reminding us that tzedakah is at its peak importance at this time of year. So with a few days left before Pesach comes in, it's one final reminder that please, Jews, make sure that this is taken care of for me. The second point of connection is the very last Pasuk, where um, Hashem says, um, Eliyahu Navi was one of the Nevi'im um, in Sefer Malachim, and there's general understanding that he didn't die in the sense that most humans die, but rather he ascended to heaven, and therefore he can he can come back to us. Extremely important events like a bris or perhaps a Pesach Seder. So Eliyahu is going to announce the final redemption when it's coming, and Malachi is speaking. Remember, he's speaking after the second base of Mikdash is built. So for him, it means that this second base of Mikdash, this must not be the final Geula, must not be the final redemption. There's another one that's yet to come. And the Haftor is reminding us that Eliyahu is still on his way. Like we said a few weeks ago, our rabbis tell us the final redemption is supposed to take place in the month of Nisan. And for all we know, it could be this Nisan. So... I hope you ladies enjoyed. I hope these themes are able to help carry you through the Chag with with some joy and some confidence in Hashem and his ability to do a wonderful, amazing Nisim for us, big and small. Um, As always, let me know what you thought, if you have extra questions or if I can help clarify anything. And I'm wishing everybody a Chag Hasher B'Sameach and enjoy the wonderful time with your families and to enjoy and absorb the special energy of this time of year. See you very soon.